football playoff rankings are released, and let's get right into them and what they mean for the Big 12 Conference. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. We appreciate you guys joining us and being a part of the show. Before we get it rolling, guys, as always, uh, do us a huge favor. It'll take you... 60 seconds. Leave us a rating, review, subscribe on the uh, podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And I'm sending out free Heartland College Sports koozies. If you leave a rating and review on the podcast, then email me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll get a koozie in the mail for you. Helps us out tremendously. A small favor to ask, but I will return the favor by sending you a koozie to keep those beers cold. All right, guys, thanks so much. All right, so let's dive into it here. Uh, The college football playoff rankings come out, and four Big 12 teams were ranked. Got to be honest, I'm pretty surprised by that. You had the Oklahoma Sooners come in at number nine. You had Baylor at number 12, and then it was uh, Kansas State up at number 16. Kudos to the Wildcats, higher ranked than they were in the AP poll. And then Oklahoma State at number 23, the only three-loss team in the top 25 is Oklahoma State, which to me is a good sign for the Big 12. Uh, if you look at Oklahoma State's schedule to this point, you know, it's been up and down, right? We talked a couple of weeks ago. It looked like the uh, Cowboys season was falling apart. Here's what I think is going on. When you look at the Cowboys season, I believe the committee thinks very highly of Iowa State. And the fact that Oklahoma State went on the road and beat Iowa State, also beat Kansas State, who's ranked 16th, as we mentioned, um, and then gets a good win over TCU. Uh, usually... The last couple of years, if you've been listening to this podcast, I've been very critical of the College Football Playoff Committee and what I perceive to be a a lack of respect for the Big 12 Conference. And I've been very open about that, very open about it. I still think there's too much love for the SEC. There's no doubt about that in my mind. But I don't think the Big 12 disrespect is there like a lot of what I heard on social media as these rankings were coming out. I mean, when the only three-loss team – in the college football playoff rankings is a team out of your conference. I mean, how much hate can there be, especially when Oklahoma State, they don't have a great non-conference win, right? It's not like they've beaten um, a Wisconsin in non-conference play or a Florida in non-conference play. They haven't done that. I mean, their non-conference was not all that good. Tulsa, McNeese State, and Oregon State. And they're the only three-loss team in America in the top 25. It's not Texas A&M. It's not anybody else out of the ACC, SEC, uh, Big Ten, or Pac-12. It is Oklahoma State out of the Big 12, which tells me they respect their wins against Kansas State and Iowa State and TCU. And, you know, they lost a close game to a Texas team that was healthy at the time. And you know what? The Baylor loss was a close game. 45-27, the final score doesn't do it justice. The blemish on their resume is, is at Texas Tech. That's their big blemish right now for Oklahoma State. So overall, we'll go through these teams for the Big 12. But overall, I think the committee has more respect for the Big 12 Conference than they've had in recent seasons. And this is coming from somebody who's been very critical, very critical of the committee and how it's treated the Big 12, dating back to the TCU-Baylor inaugural college football playoff committee year when TCU waxes Iowa State 52-3 to on the last weekend of the year and somehow falls from three to six. I mean, I've been knocking the college football playoff committee ever since then on behalf of the Big 12. But right now, at least with these initial rankings, 
I, I cannot go crazy over it. I can't. Um, Oklahoma at number nine. And uh, this is something that I heard yesterday when it came out. OU's at number nine. Committee's screwing them. It's not fair. Well, hold off here for a second. What is OU's signature win? They had to beat Texas. Good Texas team. You know, they were starting to uh, get pretty banged up by the time that game came around. But good Texas team. Outside of that, they don't have a great non-conference win like in recent years when you think about uh, Ohio State, right? They don't have that win. And their schedule has included the three teams that are probably going to finish 8th, ninth, and 10th in the Big 12 in Kansas, West Virginia, and Texas Tech in some order. The next best game that they played is Kansas State, and they lost it, right? And they got outscored during a stretch of that game 41-6. to so, you know, I heard a lot of this from OU fans, and they were saying, well, this is unfair. OU doesn't have a signature win, but uh, beating Texas is better than anything Utah has done. Um, OU lost to 16th-ranked Kansas State. And what is that all about? That's not fair. That's ridiculous. First off, OU's going to have its chances to get back on track. They have Iowa State this weekend. They've got two ranked teams as of right now in Baylor and Oklahoma State and a good TCU team. And then a Big 12 championship game probably against a ranked team. So OU's got plenty in front of it. Now, it is concerning that at this point in time, OU is behind two Pac-12 teams in Oregon and Utah, who were 7th and 8th respectively. It's a tough road for the Oklahoma Sooners right now if you look at it because you've got Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, Penn State as your top four. Okay, so say Ohio State and Penn State at some point, obviously one of those teams are going to have one loss because they play each other. So that's going to happen. I guess those teams play second to last weekend of the season. That game is at Ohio State. Then you've got LSU-Alabama this weekend. One of those two teams is going to have a loss. Clemson-ACC is a joke. Uh, Clemson should run the table. If Clemson ever loses a game, they've got no shot of making the college football playoff. They have to be undefeated. Georgia sitting there at number six is not overly concerning to me either for OU fans, and here's why. Georgia's got one loss. Uh, The rest of their schedule is Missouri, Auburn, Texas A&M, Georgia Tech. Here's the deal with Georgia. If it wins out and then wins the SEC championship, they're in, right? I mean, if they finish up uh, four games, 11-1, and go to the SEC championship game and beat either Alabama or LSU, they're obviously in the college football playoff. If they lose one more game, they're done. Even if they lose the SEC championship game, they're done with two losses. So... For OU, you got to have one loss, and OU fans knew that anyway. So I wouldn't be too concerned about Georgia because Georgia's either going to get in fairly, which is as a one-loss SEC champion, or you know what? They're not. The problem for OU fans and Big 12 fans in general is if Georgia wins the rest of its games and then beats an undefeated Alabama or LSU in the SEC championship game because then if you're the committee, what do you do with that Alabama or LSU team that loses its first game in uh, the SEC championship game. What any Big 12 fan should want is obviously not having two SEC teams in this college football playoff. How does that happen? That happens by whoever wins this Alabama-LSU game this weekend going undefeated the rest of the way. And hopefully winning this game this weekend by a couple of touchdowns because you know it's going to happen too. Whoever loses this game doesn't play for an SEC championship and they're like, well, our only loss is to the number one team in the country by a field goal. That's what LSU or Alabama fans, uh, that's the argument they'll make. 
on whoever's on the losing end this weekend, which I don't want to hear it, uh, but they'll make the argument about why two SEC teams should be in the college football playoffs. So best case scenario, Alabama, LSU, whoever wins this game this weekend, wins it by double digits and then rolls the rest of the way to the SEC championship. That's uh, a best case scenario. And then, you know, in the Pac-12, you've got Oregon and Utah right now ahead of Oklahoma. I'm not overly concerned about either of them at this point because they're the only two teams in the Pac-12 that are ranked. I, so OU fans worried about being behind Oregon or Utah right now, I, I wouldn't worry about that. You know, neither of them have a ranked game left on their schedule until they uh, play each other in the Pac-12 championship. And by then, OU will have played a couple of ranked teams and probably three if you include the Big 12 championship game. I, th- that's just the deal. I mean, they're playing Iowa State this weekend. Iowa State is a top 25 caliber team. If they get in it at some point the rest of the way, that'd be good for the Big 12. Uh, then they're at Baylor. That'll be a quality top 25 uh, win if they can get it, which a lot remains to be seen. And then at Oklahoma State, end of the year. You know, that's a team in the top 25 right now as well. So uh, that's where OU stands on this whole deal. Baylor, uh, I'm not shocked that Baylor was ranked where it was at number 12. The non-conference is just not good. Uh, Not only is it not good, it's embarrassing. All right? Now, they've beaten a good Iowa State team. They've won at K-State convincingly. At Oklahoma State. I mean, they've had a good season. But when you look at strength of schedule, which is part of what this committee does, Baylor is right now 58th in the country. All right? I mean, they're behind teams like SMU, Tulane, UCF. Duke, they are behind them in terms of strength of schedule right now. So I don't think you can have them much higher than that. I, I, I just, I don't. But they have a huge month ahead of them. And here's what you want to have happen if you're a Baylor fan. You've got TCU on the road this weekend, then Oklahoma. So you want Oklahoma to beat Iowa State this weekend, stay a top 10 team, so you can try to get a top 10 win next weekend. What you also want to have happen if you're a Baylor fan If you're a Baylor fan, you want Texas to get on a little bit of a roll here. Now you're thinking, why would I root for Texas? I can't stand Texas. Well, because you want to play Texas when it's ranked. You want Texas to beat Kansas State this weekend as a top 25 team. You want them to then go on the road and beat Iowa State next week. So that way, if they do that, by the way, uh, Texas will be in the top 25. And you want to play a Texas team that is ranked, let's just throw out a number, 18th, 20th in the country. That's what you want. You want them coming to your place a week after you beat OU, and you want to beat Texas. And then you want to go into the Big 12 championship game with OU still in the top 15, and you want to beat them again. Baylor can't lose a game. Baylor cannot be a one-loss Big 12 champion and get into the college football playoff. They can't do it. OU's got a shot. Baylor's got no shot. That's just the reality. So uh, that's what Baylor should be rooting for. Texas to win the next couple of weeks. That way you have a chance to get two quality ranked wins. You got to make up for that non-conference. That's the best way to do it if you're a Baylor fan. And, you know, Kansas State's just like quietly sitting there at number 16. And we're not really talking about them uh, playing for a Big 12 championship. But if they end up beating Texas this weekend... You look at the rest of the schedule, West Virginia, Texas Tech, two teams at the bottom of the standings, and then Iowa State and Farmageddon at home. That's not going to be an easy game. Farmageddon's going to be awesome this year, but you got them at home. 
And if you're Kansas State, you can't make a college football playoff. I'm sorry. You just can't do it. But if you're Kansas State and you look at Oklahoma and and this team going to Ames, which is difficult, both teams coming off a bye, but still a difficult game, you've got the tiebreaker against OU. All of a sudden, you know, it's not impossible to talk about Kansas State playing for a Big 12 title. Now, K-State does not obviously hold a tiebreaker against Baylor because they lost to Baylor earlier in the season. But it's just crazy to me. If you told me in late August that we'd be in early November and Kansas State would have like a pretty decent shot of playing for a Big 12 championship, I'd be like, wow. And this weekend, it's going to help decide that because if Texas loses this weekend, they're out of the picture, right? Texas is not going to play for a Big 12 championship. At that point, Texas has to just try to get bull eligible. But you're talking about then, you know, K-State, Oklahoma, Baylor in some capacity, depending what happens in the OU-Iowa State game this weekend. So it is a fascinating month ahead for the Big 12 Conference. I wouldn't go nuts over these initial college football playoff rankings. I would not do it. I would not go crazy over it. I think the Big 12 got more respect than it's gotten at many points in the last couple of years, and the rest will shake itself out. OU still got the chance of the college football playoff. It's not as dire as some OU fans want to make it out to be, but take care of business first. I mean, let's do that first, all right? Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Uh, Baylor as well, but they've got to stay undefeated. And then the Big 12 picture in general is going to be a lot more clear come Saturday night. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. So uh, Florida State makes a move. They fire Willie Taggart and some Big 12 coaches being talked about as potential replacements. We'll get with you on that coming up next. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. What's up, guys? It's Pete Mundo. And uh, by the way, we're going to be getting to our picks as we do each and every week in the podcast. But before we do that, we've crossed the halfway mark of the Big 12 season. And you want to get off the sidelines, get in, place those bets. And you know what? I've used a lot of these different sites before. Uh, I've been placing bets on these Big 12 games for a long time. And you can't beat mybookie.ag. They've got the most up-to-date lines, most prop bets. If you want to hit that parlay, I've been close a couple of times, still got to hit that parlay. But they're the place to do it. And because they love the Heartland College Sports listeners, you can double your money right up front by depositing with the promo code BIG12. That's BIG12. So you put in 50, you're going to get 100, 100, 200, all the way up to 1,000. Uh, they're taking care of us at Heartland College Sports. So that's mybookie.ag, promo code BIG12, BIG12, for your 100% sign-up bonus to get back in the game. There's only a few weeks left in the season. You don't want to miss out because then you're going to be there sitting around in the winter like, oh, I should have made a bed in football season. Do it now. MyBookie.ag, promo code BIG12. You play, you win, you get paid. So as far as Las Vegas is concerned, uh, the Big 12 coaching carousel could be up and running. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Great to have you on board. So Florida State fires Willie Taggart, um, what, a year and a half into his tenure there? And the Las Vegas odds to be Florida State's head coach week one of 2020, Matt Campbell, of course, of Iowa State, at the top of that list at 3-1. to one. Then you've got Mark Stoops of Kentucky. Bob Stoops, 5-1. to one. 
And you go down the list, uh, P.J. Fleck, Minnesota, James Franklin, Penn State, Urban Meyer, Josh Heupel, Dino Babers, and then there's Matt Rule at 10-1. to 1. Wow. Let's go coach by coach here for a second. Uh, Bob Stoops, I mean, that was rumored by a uh, Tallahassee newspaper, or actually a Tallahassee TV station had it, that Stoops was about to be named the next head coach at Florida State. Stoops told Kirk Herbstreet, no way, no how. I was down there for an event. I am not interviewing for the job or not interested in the job, whatever it might have been. I would be shocked if Bob Stoops went back for the Florida State job. Absolutely shocked. First off, we've had him on the show. He was on a month ago, and he just seems to really be enjoying life. Like, Norman is home for him. He's got the kids, walked on at OU, playing under Lincoln Riley. He knows, of course, a lot of the guys still on the team and the coaching staff and whatnot. And he just takes the uh, XFL job for the Dallas franchise as the GM and coach and uh, signs a ton and drafts a ton of OU players. I mean, this is one of those things when Florida State is like preparing to fire Willie Taggart and they're talking about this weeks in advance. They put in a call to agents. That's just how it works. Hey, might this client of yours be interested? Might that client of yours be interested? I mean, they do all of that. They have those conversations. And to think that Bob Stoops, as he's drafting OU guys to be the next head coach and GM of the XFL franchise in Dallas is like, you know, I could be the head coach of Florida State in a couple of weeks if things uh, break right for me. Like, that may happen. I, 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 don't, I don't think that's the case. I just don't. And I think this is a guy that's, that's really into lifestyle. I mean, when he took the XFL job, he was like, this is perfect. I can stay in the game of football, but basically like play a lot of golf and watch my kids play. <laughs> like, he, he made that pretty clear without being that forthright about it, that, that this is what he wants to do. So I would be stunned. I'd be absolutely stunned if, uh, if he actually ended up taking this job. Now, the other Big 12 name on that list is Matt Rule at 10-1. to 1. Long shot. I believe Matt Rule when he says he really likes being in Waco, signed the big extension, and his family has enjoyed it there as well. I, I could see great place to raise a family. I could see all of that. Now, I think of a job like Penn State, his alma mater, opens up because James Franklin goes to USC or Florida State, which I also don't see at this point in time. Um, but if that were to happen and Penn State, his alma mater calls, then there's a real conversation. Then Baylor fans have a right to be concerned. Um, if another NFL job calls, I mean, Rule has interviewed the past two off seasons uh, with two NFL franchises, right? He's talked to the Colts, apparently, and the Jets, apparently. So he's got the NFL bug. If the right job comes along, I could see that for Matt Rule. I could absolutely see him having the NFL bug and the NFL itch. But I don't see Florida State for Matt Rule at this point in time. I mean, he's got just as good a shot, if you think about it, as winning a conference title and getting to a college football playoff at Baylor as he does at Florida State. Because Florida State, you're in the same division as Clemson, by the way. I mean, don't forget that. I know the ACC is down and the ACC is not very good, but it's it's not one of those deals where you waltz into Florida State and you got a winner because in Florida, you think about the big three there, right? You have Florida, Florida State, Miami. If you want to throw UCF in that mix, you can, but somebody's always down of those three, and the leash for Matt Rule is not going to be long. I mean, at Baylor, they just like were appreciative. They had a savior 
and they had somebody in Matt Rule's caliber who wanted this job. There's not going to be that honeymoon phase. They fired Willie Taggart after a year and a half. And Matt Rule's not going to have that flexibility. He's got a better deal going right now at Baylor than he would at Florida State. So I don't see it. And then Matt Campbell, I know he's the odds-on favorite, but that's going to be the case for Matt Campbell with any of these jobs that open up. He's going to be tied to all of them. And the more I talk to people um, within the Ames community that have a little bit of a semblance as to what's going on, they really buy in to Matt Campbell staying there. And I know you're going to say, oh, it's just homerism, but that's not just their opinion. That's based on, you know, uh, how Campbell is living his life, building a new home, uh, signing these extensions, not having some hotshot agent like Jimmy Sexton. Yes, I think that Matt Campbell may end up coaching somewhere else. Whether it's one day in Ohio State, a Notre Dame, a Penn State, a Michigan, an NFL job. I could see that at some point in time because of his ties to that part of the uh, country. Do I see it being in Tallahassee, Florida? I, I don't. I really don't. He's got a huge buyout. He's bought into that community, and I really believe that he loves it. Now, this is a good thing for the Big 12, but let's look just look at it for a second from a broader Big 12 perspective. The Big 12 does not want to be the conference that people poach from to get their coaches. You don't want to become what the Big East has become in basketball in some respects outside of like Villanova, where you have guys uh, taking coaches out of the butlers of the world and turning them into, you know, bigger coaches at bigger levels. The Big 12 is the big boy level. The Big 12 has to view itself as the big boy level. I don't want to be losing coaches to the ACC, SEC, or Big 10 unless it's a can't-miss opportunity. I don't want to see that. And the Big 12 has to realize its reputation would be on the line if that were to happen as well. So don't want to see that happen. Don't think it is. Don't think it is. But, you know, I hate to see all these coaching openings and then you see, like, all these Big 12 coaches on the list. It's like, no. That tells you a little bit about what Las Vegas thinks about some of these Big 12 jobs, which I don't like to see. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Let's go ahead and preview week 11 in the Big 12. We'll get to my picks against the spread coming up next. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Well, let's get to it. Week 11 in the Big 12 Conference. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. We've got four games this weekend. That means four picks. We'll give them to you against the spread. Let's start off and just kind of go in order here and uh, start with Baylor and TCU. Baylor comes into this game on the road as a two and a half point favorite. And here's the deal. Baylor got its scare last week against West Virginia. Uh, Baylor almost threw away its undefeated season. They barely got by a West Virginia team. They were favored by uh, 17 points against. So that's, that's a good thing for Matt Rule and his guys going into this final month of the season undefeated. Uh, Baylor has been settling a lot of scores this season for this program, this group of guys who have struggled, obviously, uh, the last couple of years. They're settling those scores. They've lost four in a row to TCU. This is a good rivalry game, and these uh, Baylor Bears have never beaten 
this TCU program. That's a motivator right there. You look at turnover margin right now uh, in this game. Baylor is tops in the Big 12 at plus five. TCU is down at the bottom, ninth in the conference at minus four. And then, uh, you know, I look at I look at how much pressure Baylor can get. Baylor's defense is still not getting enough credit. It's just, it's not. It's been very good, and it's not getting the credit it deserves. It should be, though, because I was looking at some numbers here, some, like, advanced metrics, and the DFEI defensive ratings, that represents the per-possession scoring advantage a team's defense would be expected to have on a neutral field against an average offense, and Baylor's defense is top 20 in the country. That's a heck of a number. Now, TCU's is as well, but here's the difference. TCU's got a true freshman quarterback in Max Duggan who uh, he's had some good moments, but he also has looked like a freshman a lot. Baylor's got a veteran quarterback in Charlie Brewer going into this game, knowing what's on on the line, knowing what's at stake, and that's a big deal for me. Also, I look at this Baylor team, and they are sacking and getting to the quarterback. They are tops in the Big 12 with 26 sacks on the season, while TCU has given up 20 in its game so far, which is good for eighth in the conference. So Baylor should have a pretty good time getting to the quarterback because Oklahoma State did it last weekend, and Baylor's got a much better front seven than what Oklahoma State brings to the table. And TCU in general, I mean, they're 4-12 and against the spread, this uh, not this season, but against the Big 12 in their last 16 games. Not a good number. On top of that, Jalen Rager... Uh, played through the injury last week, but let's see whether or not there are some lingering effects there. So I'm taking Baylor minus the two and a half points on the road against TCU. Then we've got Texas Tech on the road to West Virginia. Uh, This is a Texas Tech team that's had a couple of weeks to stew over its loss to, to Kansas in a game they were leading 17 to nothing. Absolutely unbelievable the way they blew that game, the craziness at the end. But Texas Tech should be able to negate West Virginia's greatest strength, which is its pass rush. I mean, the Mountaineers have done a great job, uh, tied for best in the Big 12 in sacks on the season uh, in in the conference. But Texas Tech has done a really good job of not letting the defense get to the quarterback. They've only given up 11 sacks in eight games, and that is good for second best in the Big 12 to Oklahoma. So they can negate what I think is right now the uh, the best part of West Virginia's game, the Stills brothers and that front seven and the pass rush for the Mountaineers. On top of that, you look at where this West Virginia team is right now. They're struggling. They're at the bottom of the standings. Do they have a little bit of a letdown, a little bit of a hangover after nearly beating a top 15 team last week on the road? I know they've had a couple of extra days since that was a Thursday night game, but I I wonder about a bit of a hangover for the Mountaineers. Now they're playing ho-hum, Texas Tech coming to town, uh, and I'm sure Morgantown will be jacked because that place always is uh, pretty fired up. But 11 a.m. starts. Is the fan base really going to be fired up to see this team that has one conference win thus far? I don't know. I don't know about that. And on top of this, when you look at the turnover margin, I always like to look at it. Texas Tech has 11 interceptions as a defense this season. That's the most interceptions of any team in the conference, while Austin Kendall and this West Virginia offense cannot get out of its own way, making poor decisions, passing the ball. They've thrown 11 interceptions on the year, which is the most in the Big 12. So I am going to give the edge to Texas Tech here. I think the Mountaineers can cover this spread at 2.5 points. Give me the Red Raiders 
minus two and a half at West Virginia this weekend. Let's move on to Kansas State at Texas. Right off the bat, people say about this game, oh, Texas getting healthy, coming off a bye, Kansas State due for a letdown. Hold your horses here. I know Caden Stearns is back, big hit in safety for Texas, but this is not a Kansas State team that's going to get it done through the air. I mean, that's not what they do. They have really unique run schemes that have worked beautifully in recent weeks against, you know, pretty darn good opponents. I mean, let's be honest. When you look at what this Kansas State team has been able to do the last couple of weeks, when you look at Oklahoma, TCU, and then Kansas, it has been a clinic watching them uh, and watching that run game operate. Kansas State is leaving the state of Kansas for the first time since September. So take the bye week for Texas. I get it. It's valuable. But K-State's pretty well rested for a team that isn't coming off a bye week. They have been inside their state for every game dating back to late September. That's a big deal. They've got the best turnover margin in the Big 12 Conference. That's always something that's valuable to me. And on top of that, Texas has to figure out how to stop the run. They're in the bottom half of the Big 12 in that category. Now, their pass defense has been an abomination. That should get better with that secondary getting healthy, as I mentioned, with Caden Stearns and a couple of other guys. But, you know, Skylar Thompson, he's not looking to beat you through the air. The guy's got seven rushing touchdowns the past couple of weeks. Now, they have a deep threat in Malik Knowles. I think he's been a big difference maker for this team. He hasn't shown up in the box score in a major way, but he's been a threat downfield. He's drawn some penalties downfield, and he's allowed uh, Kansas State to keep defenses honest by getting downfield. So that's been good. Uh, And if there's something I'm looking at, It's third down defense for Kansas State. Why? Because they've been the best in the FBS in that category. And they're going up against a Texas team that is actually the best in the Big 12 in third down offense. So if you're looking at where this game could be decided, look at third downs. K-State, best third down defense in America against Texas, the best third down offense in the Big 12. If K-State can win the time of possession, win the turnover battle, they can win this game. Nonetheless, I am taking them as a seven-point underdog. Uh, Unbelievable. I know it's a sucker bet. All the wise guys right now are on Texas. I know this because the line is moving in favor of Texas, even though more bets are on Kansas State. I don't care if it's a sucker bet. It doesn't feel right for me right now with this Longhorn program where Tom Herman has it. Everything's clicking for K-State. If I lose this one, I am not going to feel bad about it. I will go K-State plus seven. Last but not least, OU and Iowa State. 75% of the money is on the Oklahoma Sooners in this game. They are now a 14.5-point favorite. And I understand they're coming off a bye, and they lost a tough game to K-State. That's also by far the best team they've played all year. And they got outscored 41-6 to during a stretch of that game. OU's defense, which has gotten better under Alex Grinch, is still a work in progress. The OU defense has one takeaway in Big 12 play. They are minus five in turnover margin since Big 12 play began. That is worst in the conference. Time of possession, I know OU is a big play team, but it hurt them last week against K-State, and Iowa State is set up to do something similar. They are third in the Big 12 in time of possession in conference play. OU is ninth. And I did some advanced metric work here on, um, on both these teams. They are two of the top teams in the country, top 10 in yards per play on offense. And in yards per play on defense, they're very similar as well. OU is 27th, Iowa State's 28th. And on the defensive efficiency metric I gave you earlier, 
Iowa State is 35th in the country. OU is 70th. OU's got a veteran quarterback um, in, in Brock Purdy. Matt Campbell will have a great game plan for this team. So give me Iowa State plus 14 and a half. I'm not saying they win it outright. I, I in fact, don't think they do. But over two touchdowns, are you kidding me? When a lot of the advanced metrics have this thing uh, pretty darn even. That's just way too big a number for me in this game. So to recap, I've got Baylor minus two and a half at TCU. I've got Texas Tech minus two and a half at West Virginia. I've got K-State plus seven at Texas and Iowa State plus 14 and a half taking on Oklahoma in Norman. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. You guys are awesome. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. We'll talk with you guys on Sunday for the recap show. Be sure to be subscribed to the show so that way you get the podcast on Sunday as soon as it drops as we'll recap Week 11 in the Big 12. And please take 60 seconds, leave that rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and I will get you a free Heartland College Sports Koozie in the mail when you send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. You guys are awesome. Always appreciate it, and we'll talk to you on Sunday.